Amen. So aren't we grateful for the new life we have in Jesus Christ? And I'm grateful for Pastor Weigel giving me the opportunity to preach on Sunday night here. Um, turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter number 4. 1 John chapter number 4. So it's the month of December. Pastor asked me a little bit ago if I'd preach this on Sunday night, preach on Sunday night. And I was going through, you know, Pastor mentioned it this morning, you go through the Christmas passages, you go through the different things. And I really began to feel as I was reading the different passages on Christmas that the Lord wanted me to go in this direction. And no, it's not from your traditional Christmas passages or texts, but I believe it's the reason for the Christmas story. And 1 John chapter number 4, I'm just going to read one verse and then we'll pray. And we're going to really focus our message um, elsewhere. And I think you'll, you'll, you'll understand where we're going with this as soon as I read the first verse. So 1 John chapter number 4 is verse number 10. It says... Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Let's pray and then we'll start this evening. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to preach. I pray that the words that I say um, would be the words that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that as we go through this message that everything is said. Um, would bring, be to your honor and glory, and that we would all take something from this that we can apply to this season of life, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So, when we think about the month of December, there's obviously a theme to the month of December. You know, we have the flowers up here, you go to the classrooms for the school, they're decorated very nicely. Um, you go into homes, you go outside, you drive through neighborhoods, you can see everyone puts up decorations for one thing, and really one thing only, that is the Christmas holiday. And... Those things are all great. There's tremendous things that go with Christmas. There's, you know, obviously like the tree. You have family get-togethers. That's always nice to meet with family, see them again. Um, you know, church, we have special services. Usually around this time of year, we'd have a cantata, but unfortunately due to COVID and everything going on, we can't this year. But Christmas is usually a time for all those things. It's a time for celebration. But many times in all of the, the, the things that we go through, the, the, the ritualistic um, everyday things that we do in the Christmas season, whether, you know, like I said, going to put the lights up, you know, baking, d- having family over, doing all those things. Many times we lose the true meaning of what Christmas is really all about. And Christmas is about one thing. It is about God loving mankind so much that he would send his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And in a world that considering everything going on is so filled with hate, with anger, with frustration, with emotions from one end to the other. Whether you, you can look anywhere in the world and you see those things, whether it's the political scene, whether it's just the world at large, the social things going on in this world. Whatever you look at, there's turmoil. There's anger, there's frustration, there's hate. And many times, unfortunately, I think Christians get involved in that whether it be they look too much at Fox News or whatever the news network they choose to look at is, or they choose to read too much on social media about what's getting everyone upset and riled up. And listen, it's good to stay informed. It's good to read the news. It's good to follow those things because they're important. We need to know what's going on so we can act appropriately. But if we're reading more on the news networks and on our phones and on our social media than we are in the Word of God, it's so easy to get sidetracked and start to look away from the Word of God to those things is our hope and our help and our source of satisfaction. And 
Christians, many times, you know, myself included, when the pandemic first started, many of us found a lot more time on our hands than we normally had. Whether you lost your job, unfortunately, whether you couldn't go to work because you were laid off for a certain amount of time, or you had a previous health condition, so you needed to stay at home for a little while just to see how serious things were, or if you're watching on live stream and you're still stuck at home. And unfortunately, a lot of us didn't take that time to sit and read the Word of God for hours and hours and hours. No, we watch the television or, you know, read the stories, you know, oh, this many people died, this many, and those numbers are all sad, and they really are, that that many people have died from this virus this year. But we got away from the Word of God, unfortunately, and we started turning to how, oh, you know, if this happens and this happens, you know, maybe by, by, Pastor said this morning, by 2021, things will be great, you know, January 1, everything switches and it's over. And I think that's how we want it to be, but it's not how it's going to be. We're in a trial. Trials don't have a date that you know, God says, oh, this is when this trial is going to end. It'd be nice if he did, though, right? I mean, we have, we have difficulties in our lives, and we like to see the, how things are going to play themselves out. And if God said, you know, January 15th of 2021, we'll never have to wear a mask again. Now, that would be fantastic, but God's not, God doesn't work that way. No, he says, what time I'm afraid I will trust in thee. Just trust Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. If we put our trust in him and to what he's done for us, we can then share that with other people. And that's the purpose of my message today. We're going to focus in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 if you want to head that way. But if as Christians we get focused on all those other things and we get focused on, you know, check mark, I'm going to church, check mark, I'm doing this, I'm reading my Bible, and check, and we lose the love, and that is the, the whole focus of this season is the love of God for us. And that's why I read verse 11. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. We need to, we need to show the world the one thing that they, that world cannot give them. The world can give them a lot of things. It can give them money. It can give them a job. It can give them fame. It can give them the frustrations and all the things that go with it. It can give them something to talk about at the water cooler at work. But it cannot give them the love that God has given to each and every one of us in here if you've accepted him. And as we turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, I want to focus on these first three verses where my first point comes from. It's, the first point is really the emptiness of duty. That's the way I titled it out, the emptiness of duty. And I think you'll understand where I'm coming from here. It says in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. When we live our lives, what is our purpose? What is our, our, our motives? for doing what we do. And the Apostle Paul, this is what he's talking about. If you read about the church of Corinth, they had a lot of issues. But one thing they didn't have an issue with, and, and I, I'm gonna be, I want to word it very carefully, is that they had a lot of gifted people that could do the work of the ministry. They had a lot of people that did good things. And we're going to talk about another church. Here, I'm going to flip around a lot, so you guys have to keep up with me this evening. But we're going to talk about another church that had the doing part down. 
And I think here, you know, and I, like I said, I'm, I, I can't, you know, I can't see in your heart, I can't see in your motives, but I know myself so many times, we can get the doing part down, when things are, especially when things are busy in ministry. You can go to church, you can go soul, and you can read your Bible, you can pray, you can teach the Sunday school class, you can help in junior church, you can do this, sing in the choir, whatever the thing is at that time, but you lose the whole reason for doing it. And once again, I'll have you guys flip. We're going to go to Revelation chapter number two, and I'm going to focus this first point here. And um, Revelation chapter number two, I almost referred to First John, that would not have worked very well. Um, <laughs> Revelation chapter number two and verse one, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. The church at Ephesus had, did, did exactly what they were supposed to do. They, were pay, they, they worked for the Lord. They were laboring. They worked hard. They had patience. They endured. They couldn't tolerate the evil. When... When they saw someone who was teaching false doctrine in the church, they handled it quickly. They couldn't tolerate those trying to work evil in the church. They couldn't tolerate those trying to work evil outside the church. They did what they were supposed to do. They did everything they were supposed to do. They found those that were liars. Thou hast borne, thou hast patience, thou hast labored, and not fainted. They, they worked, they had the work of the ministry down. They had what they had everything lined up. If we looked at them from the outside, we'd say, man, that church at Ephesus is a model church. Nevertheless, and this is Jesus Christ speaking here, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Somewhere along the line, they were so busy making sure that everything, hap everything was done, the false prophets, the false teachers, teaching the word, preaching the word, you know, winning souls. And there was a lot, if you study the church at Ephesus, the city of Ephesus itself was a wicked city. There was, you know, when they had to bear and fight and battle wickedness, it was wickedness that we, I mean, we can only, we can only think of and, and see from just reading. It's, it's incredible some of the things that were going on. The, the goddess of Diana, the wickedness that went on with the temple there, and the things that they had to every day fight and deal with and battle. And they did it faithfully. But they had left their love. And when they left, when you, when you lose your love as a believer, when you lose, your, when it becomes a duty, you lose your purpose. The purpose for us doing things for God is because of how much he's done for us. The, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, after talking about our salvation, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, who God has before ordained, we should walk in them. That's the purpose. Is the purpose is to glorify God. And if we're doing it for our own edification, for our own glory, for our own pride, we've lost the whole reason we do it. We've lost it. The, bio, the book of 1 Corinthians is very harsh. It's just, it's just 
banging noise. It's just noise. I can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. I, can, I have the gift of prophecy. I can understand. You know, God gives you a special gift of understanding. God says, I have faith that I can remove mountains. The Bible talks about having that kind of faith. You could have that kind of faith and have no love, and it is nothing. And that's the thing. The truth without love is just, it's just noise. It's just, you know, it's just, it's just there. It's just, you know, me preaching for my glory, for my, my you know, own personal benefit, it doesn't glorify God. He doesn't get the glory. Our whole purpose, and I, the reason I, I focus on this, is so that when people see you, when they see me at the workplace, in the grocery store, do they see us saying, oh man, I've got to put this mask on again. Oh, come on. Can't believe it. Just to get in the grocery, just to buy a, you know, a gallon of milk, I've got to go put this thing on again. No, I can't stand, you know, I don't, I don't like the governor. I can't stand him. I can't stand, you know, I don't like the president, whoever he is. I don't like, you know, I can't stand the guy that's being elected. Is that all they hear? Or do they hear us say, you know, man, <laughs> I'm glad that God's kept me safe. I'm glad that God's protected me in this tough time. I know people that have lost loved ones. I know those that have, you know, lost someone dear to them in this tough year. And there are some here, I'm sure, that I have. And we, we just, we sometimes, we miss it. We focus, I, I had, you know, in, in uh, I, t- I do the homeroom in the school for the juniors and seniors. And this coming around this Thanksgiving, you know, the, the masks, you know, we have, to, we have to wear them every day in school. And, you know, it's, it's not easy. There's, it's tough at times, you know. It's tough to try and teach and communicate effectively wearing a mask. It just is. And we, we, got, we got into class, and every day we do a devotion in the beginning of class. And that day I wanted to change it up a little bit. And I told them, I said, I want you to take a piece of paper. And I handed them each a loose-leaf piece of paper. And said, I want you to write down everything that you can think of. Small, big. There are no two small answers that you're thankful for. And I gave them probably about 90 seconds. And each of them had written between 15 and 20 things at least that they, that they just mentioned. I didn't have them mention all of them that they were thankful for. And it was family, friends, you know, their video games, things that everyone's thankful for at that age. But you know what it showed me? We could be having the worst day. There could be nothing going right. And our focus could still be on God and the things that he's done for us and how we can turn it and love him and appreciate all he's done. And so as we're Christians, as we're going through this season of Christmas, it's happy, it's joyful. Jesus Christ came to this earth 2,000 years ago to die for us. And then he didn't just stay there, he rose again. That, that alone, if everything else were gone, if you had nothing else in your life except Jesus Christ, would it be enough for you? Would you be happy? Would you be joyful? Would you have a smile on your face as you go living through life? And I can tell you, I've failed in this area many times. It's so easy, you get up in the morning, you know, maybe you're not feeling good, or maybe you forgot you had to do something, and now you're already behind in your morning, and you're like, man, this is such a tough day, and you're going through it, and all of a sudden, just take a moment, breathe and say, Lord, just thank you for all you've done. And I'm telling you, that, that day that I did that for those kids, they may think, you know, you know they, 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 may not, they may think a lot of it, they may not think much of it, whether it was a blessing to them or not, I can tell you this, their thoughts on how many things they were thankful for blessed me. And, and I did it with them. I started writing things down. And in that 90 seconds, I thought of many things. Some things that, you know, unless you take the time to really think about it, you wouldn't think about how thankful you are for them. 
And the truth is, when we, when we start thinking of how we can be thankful for the things God, it gives us a spirit of love. Because it gives us a gr- gratitude. The natural outpouring of our gratitude to God is a love and a desire to do things for Him. And here in 1 Corinthians, he basically, Paul basically says it pretty plainly. If I have not charity, it profits me nothing. Um, there was someone in the Bible who God gave a tremendous amount of just about everything. He was smart. He was powerful. He had position. He had popularity. He had money. And he was also someone who followed God. But you know what? He started to focus on the wrong things. Whether he wanted more gold, whether he wanted more fame, whether he wanted more popularity. And by the time he got to the end of his life, King Solomon, all he could say is, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit, profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? Basically, the things you live for in this life, what profit is there in doing it? So, as Christians, as we come upon this, this year, this Christmas season, let's take a, like a focus back to what God has done for us. As He has done so much, you can, you can be the most talented man on the face of the earth. You can be the most talented woman on the face of the earth in whatever area it is. If you don't have the love of God pouring from your heart, there's, there's, there's nothing, there, there's no impact. You can't, I, I, I often think so many times that kids are like a great measuring stick of that. They can tell right away if someone's faking it or not. <laughs> and, 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 and they don't hesitate to tell you exactly what they're thinking many times. But, you know, many times, you, you, you can, if you've worked with kids before, you can see it. When you show them just a little bit of love and affection and you try and, you know, help them, whether you're teaching them a Bible class, teaching them in junior church, whether you teach them in the school here, you can see it as you, you know, day after day. <laughs> and, and there's some days where you're probably like, man, I, I wish that kid wasn't in junior church. Or I wish that kid wasn't there. Because the problems that are there. And we, we've all had those moments. And they test your patience. But if you show that patience and you continue to show that love, the reaction as their facial expressions, as their reactions, as their, their whole demeanor begins to change. And it's not us. I'd love to say, you know, I'm this fantastic person that could change anyone's demeanor on a given day. That is not the case. <laughs> it's the love of Christ being shown through you, through me. And that's where we really start to make an impact. When we have the love of Christ just pouring out of us on an everyday basis, we can then begin to influence people because many times you hear people say it, someone will say, man, you have a different expression about, about you or you know, something's different. And it's, it's not us. <laughs> it's that person that took the time to focus on the relationship with God, to love someone enough to tell them about Christ. Because many times, if we don't have the love of God pouring through us, what will happen is you know, we'll be on the job and there's that person that, constantly irritates us and you know you'll be convicted about you know I need to give that person the gospel you know maybe you work at a job where it's pretty easy you know your, your boss is lenient so the opportunities are always there and you start to talk to them about the Lord and they shut down and many times if we're not careful and we lose that love our reaction towards them you know we could we can become nasty we could be hurtful to them we can be you know too you know too mean and, I, and I'm not saying you don't give someone the gospel you need to tell them the truth 
But the Bible says to speak the truth in love. And if we're not loving, if we're not caring, we can turn people away. We can, we can make them say, see the gospel and be like, why would I want that? They're like me, but with something else that they got to do every week. I, I got enough I got on my schedule. They got to go to church on top of it. If we don't have the love of God, that's what they see it as. Because so many times people say, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I'm tired of religion. Or I don't want to get religion. It's not religion. You can tell them that it's not a religion. You know, we have Baptists on the church, but the Baptist is because that's the people that follow the Bible. The Bible's about a relationship with God. It's not about a religion. It's not about, a, a, you know, do this, do that, because that's what religion's about. Religion's about you do this and you can maybe get to God. The relationship with Jesus Christ is God came to you and gave you salvation. And so let's make sure that we don't get stuck in the emptiness of duty. And what I mean by that is that when you get to the end of your life, if all you're doing is doing there's no reason behind it, and it's empty. There's no fulfillment in that. And so the second step I want to focus on is really just focus on the attributes of love as these next four or five verses lay out for us. We'll begin in verse 4. It says, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. If we are believers in Christ, this should, every one of these things could, if you're truly loving God the way you should, should and could be said of you and of me. And I can tell you for a fact, there are times where I'm sure I could go through every single one of these things on this list and say, yeah, I failed in that area. Yeah, you know, I wasn't kind. Yeah, I wasn't patient with somebody. I, I was prideful. You know, I, I thought of myself before others. But I want to focus on something, and I want to focus on the fact that, because we're talking about Christmas here, I want to focus on the fact of what, how God related to us in each and every one of these areas in the Bible. So the first thing I see here is charity suffereth long. That's long-suffering. That's patience. That, that's endurance. The first example I think of is Jesus Christ and his disciples. I mean, can you imagine? Now, we think of the disciples as these great men of God. But there are some times in the Bible, and believe me, I, I'm right along there, when Peter says something and I'm like, man, when Christ is like, yeah, I have to go to the cross, I have to die so that you can live. He's like, don't die, Lord, don't die. Like two seconds after you're confessing that Jesus is the Son of God and you're, and, and I can tell you, I wouldn't have the patience that Jesus Christ did with his disciples. The second example I see is Jesus is God with the nation of Israel. You think about the failings. The, you think about it. God literally dropped food. We've pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago. Enough food to three, feed three and a half million people from the sky every morning, and they complained. I mean, think about it. That was, that was how God, God fed them. He just, the food's there every morning. They didn't pick it. They didn't work it. They didn't farm it. They were in a desert. And God literally dropped food from the sky for them every morning, and they got sick and tired of it. It became old hat. But you know what? Jesus Christ was patient with them. He gave them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And then when he got them to the promised land, they still wouldn't believe him. 
they were finally at the doorstep of not eating manna ever again for the rest of their life. The thing they had complained about for two and a half, however many years it took them to get through the, the wilderness the first time. And they got there, and they're like, oh, the giants are too big. You have God on your side. He literally parted an ocean three miles wide. <laughs> this, is, this is what I think. But how many times are we that same way? God will provide us with something, whether it be financial or spiritual, whatever the thing is. And like two weeks later, a trial hits our life, and we're like, where are you, God? What, what, are, you, what are we doing? But God is so patient with us in those moments. I think of the, this is, I feel like this is me so many times when the, when the man is with Jesus and he goes, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. It's like, Lord, I believe you. And it's like, but I really don't know how you're going to do it. And so Jesus is very patient with his disciples. God is so patient with us. Think about, you know, whether, you, I, I always give the kids this illustration. You know, you think, oh man, I was saved at a young age. I was only six, seven, eight years old. Think about this. If you committed one sin for one week, for every day, for every week of the year, that's 50, about 52 weeks. In 10 years, that means you would have sinned 520 times. And God forgave every single one of them. Now, think about it if you're 30. And believe me, we all sin more than once a week if we really think about it. Whether we think of something or you know, whether we do something, whether we say something, I'm sure we could all think of more than once in a week. But I keep it pretty simple for the kids. But Think about that. If you do one sin for every day, for every week, for 10 years, that's 520. For 20 years, you're over 1,000. 30 years, 1,500, and so on and so forth. But God still comes back and says, I love you. I died for that sin, for the sin that you're going to commit tomorrow, for the one you're committing right now. He died for those sins. So love, love is patient. Are, are you patient? Do you rush to... Are you rushing to, to get angry with someone? Are you not a very you know, to, to, tolerant person? If something, somebody does something that frustrates you, are you very quick to get angry and upset with them? Second thing, love is kind. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We've already talked about that. I don't think I need to hit that one on the, to preach on that one for too long, but I don't think you can preach too long on the love of God. And he's done so much. I think about the, the parable of the man who was forgiven in Matthew chapter 18 of so much. Jesus Christ was illustrating forgiveness to Peter. A debt he couldn't pay. Picture the national debt. If you had the money to pay. You, none of us have the money to pay the national debt. But God stepped in and that money you couldn't pay. That debt that you could not any way come up with the money to pay for. He paid it. And then we turn around and someone owes us you know, a nickel comparatively, you know, and we're like, I can't forgive that. How dare they do that to me? Who are we? How dare they do that to us? How dare we do that to Christ? Almost to the equivalent of spit in his face when we choose not to forgive such a small debt when we've been forgiven so much. So are you kind? Charity, envieth not. Are you envious? Are you jealous of what other people have? We've just talked. We've gone through this. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one either. But are you content where God has placed you? The, 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 the first half of the verse, and God had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, is, and let your conversation 
be without covetousness. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Because God is always with us, we can always be content with what he's given us. Love isn't prideful. I want to turn to this one. James chapter number 4. In verse number 6, it says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And, the, and, and if you keep going, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So many times we're so focused on ourselves. And, 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 and you may say, well, I'm not a prideful person. For, I've heard it put this way. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Who do you think of first in a situation when, you know, whatever it may be. Are you thinking of your needs first or are you thinking of a friend or a family member or a spouse or parent? I think, I think parents know the ultimate form of sacrifice. And I can tell you that for a fact because I, I mean, growing up with siblings when you're constantly battling, I, Pastor Anthony's mentioned, when you're battling over the food or different things in the house, the parents are the ones who never get seconds of anything. And I'm almost certain that 80% of the time, they're the ones that end up going to bed hungry because we're five, six, seven years old and we're fighting over the last piece of pizza and dad's just sitting there watching them do it. But isn't that a perfect example of what a father, how a father treats a child like that when they're young and they're trying to mature and they're learning. And then they use that as an example. Look, why don't you prefer, you know, your sister? Why don't you prefer your brother? Never looking after the needs of themselves, always making sure that your children are taken care of. That's, that's, you know, edifying others, humbling yourselves. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. We talked about those prideful. The book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says, And let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and made himself obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You want an example of humility? Look no further than Jesus Christ himself, who literally was God in hev- is God in heaven and made himself man. I, 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 I think it was in one of the devotionals in high school. I was like, you know, the coolest thing is, you think about it, we can't imagine s- some attributes of God. There's just some that our human mind can't comprehend. You know, I'm here, I'm not over there. But God is outside of the bo- bounds of space and time. We can't fully comprehend how that works. But I don't know that I'd be willing to give that up. Yet God was. And that's not even, you think about all the things that God 
that Jesus Christ willfully sacrificed. And he was, he was God in the flesh, so it wasn't like he wasn't sacrificing his deity. But he became a man. He felt the pains, the sorrows, the temptations that we did. Why? So he could heal the sick, heal the lame, give sight to the blind, raise the dead to life, so that the people that he gave sight to and helped walk and healed and showed the way and preached the gospel to could then turn and betray him, put him on a cross so that he could die for their sins. That's the humility he had. He never looked out for himself. There's a sto- the, I, I believe, if I'm correct, it's the only time he ever ventured outside of the nation of Israel was to go to, the, I believe it was the city of Tyre or Sidon, to meet one woman who needed his help. It's the only gospel story of him venturing outside of the, of the town to help her. And he said, basically, this, I, I, I can't remember the exact way the story goes, but he basically said it's not fit to give the children's meat unto dogs. And she, her turn response was, but even the dogs get the crumbs. She's like, all I want is just a little bit of what you have, Jesus. And that's the love that he has. That's the hum- he didn't think about himself and his needs. Verse 5, does not behave itself unseemly. That's any kind of shameful behavior. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, and let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. And Paul was telling the Philippian church, look, make sure your lifestyle, what you do, how you behave, how you act, brings a good name to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For those of you here, for those of you watching live stream, you know, I'm sure, you know, we've all had moments where we've said things, done things, but does our lifestyle, for the most part, is, you know, to the best of, you know, the ability that God gives us through his power, through his Holy Spirit, does our lifestyle become the gospel of Christ? Does it make it attractive to those around us? Or is it, you know, unseemly? Is it something we'd rather not talk about? How is our lifestyle? What is it? What does it show? Seeketh not her own. Puts others first. We just talked about that. Is not easily provoked. You know, it's slow to anger. Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus Christ is quoted as saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That was the people that literally ripped his beard out, that whipped him to the point where he was unrecognizable. They whipped him put a robe on him and then let him sit there as they mocked him for minutes. And if you know anything about putting clothing on a cut, what it does is it dries up the blood and helps, helps the clotting. But as it dries, if you were to then pull it off, it's like almost ripping a, ripping a Band-Aid off of something that's not ready to come off. And so then they pull that robe off of him and put his clothes back on him, reopening the wounds that were already there. The amount of blood he lost must have been incredible. And then put him on a wooden cross. And he said, forgive them. How much is, there should be no limit to our forgiveness. There should be no end to how much we forgive people. We shouldn't be easily provoked to anger. We shouldn't be easily, you know, prodded. 
thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that fools make a mock of sin. When Jesus Christ saw the money changers robbing people as they were coming into the temple and conducting business dishonestly, he was very haste, hasty and swift in his response. And it was to those that knew what they should be doing and weren't doing it that he tips the money changers table over, kicks out the animals, the other things that should not have been there. Do we, do we make fun of sin, whether it's sinful lifestyles? And you may think, well, I don't, you know, I don't do it out. No, but do you, do you watch things? Do you, you know, do you laugh at things that mock sinful lifestyles, sinful choices, sinful actions? That's not love. Love doesn't do that. It rejoices in the truth. It glories in truth. It, it promotes truth. Jesus Christ says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do we, do we do that? Do we do those things? Do we, do we openly, are we happy when someone's truthful? Are we happy when the truth in a situation is promoted, when the gospel is preached, when true things come out, when things are godly are promoted, when someone honors the name of Jesus Christ, when someone brings honor to him? Do, are we happy with that? Or do we honor that? Do we glorify that? Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all, hopeth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. I'm going to go through these very quickly. It bears things. That's, you know, pains, heartaches, sufferings, things we go through in life. I love the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. I mean, the, you guys can stay where you're at. I just want to read a couple verses in the book of John that I think show this John chapter 11, it says in verse 28, And when she had so said, she went away and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and called for thee. As soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came unto him. Jesus was not yet come to the town, but was at the place where Martha met him. Verse 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews which came with her he groaned in his spirit and was troubled and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And two of the most powerful verses and words in the Bible, Jesus wept. And the response, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. It's okay to weep with someone who needs you to weep with them. You know, don't, not, just, not to just be there during the hard times, but to be there when someone just needs a shoulder to cry when someone just needs someone to listen we all go through difficult times and we can all mention probably mention people that were there for others but love truthfully bears all things believes all things hopeful hopes all things hopeth all things endureth all things love is i think about the the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the fact that it endures i think of John chapter 21, when Jesus, after Peter had denied him, run away from him, runs away from him again after he sees Jesus Christ, says, I'm going fishing. And the disciples were like, yeah, we're going to go with you. And Jesus came back and got him again. And loved him. And was there to get him through the tough times. When Peter thought, I'm sure thought, I, I don't think God, 
God can't possibly love me after all that I've done. I denied him three times. I cursed at him, at his name. At the mention of his name, I cursed at him. But, God, but the love was still there. When we think about love, it's impossible not to go through verses like that and think of the love God has for us. And as we come to, and we come through 1 Corinthians, as we come into the season of Christmas, Jesus Christ loved each and every one of us. We just went through those verses. I'm sure that there are instances in here where we failed, but God's never failed. Because that's what the next verse says, charity never faileth. Jesus Christ has never failed us because he is perfect love. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, I'm going to mess it up. I've got to get there. <laughs> 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Behold, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Let us show that love this year. And as we come to conclusion, I want to go to verse 13, and I know, I think, I believe Pastor had mentioned this a couple weeks ago. It says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. The last point here, we talked about, first, the emptiness of duty, second, the attributes of love, lastly, the importance of love. Think about it this way. We have hope because of our faith. Titus chapter 2 says, in 13 says, Looking for that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our hope comes from our faith in Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, if I was not saved, if I was not a believer in Jesus Christ, I would not, there would not be much to hope in. There just wouldn't be. But because Jesus Christ is in my life, I can now have hope. Paul said it best, he said, if, the res- if Christ be not raised, we're most miserable. We'd be, imagine how miserable we'd be without Jesus Christ's resurrection. But here's the truth. We only have our faith in Jesus Christ because of the love he showed for us. I fully believe the reason the most important one there is charity. Because if it wasn't for God's love for us, he would have just left us here when man first sinned. But he didn't. He said, it's okay. I'm going to send someone to the seed of the woman. And there's going to be enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And you'll, it shall bruise thy head, referring to the head of the serpent, the head of Satan, and thou shalt bruise its heel. Yeah, Satan may have thought he won on the cross, but he didn't. The exciting thing was, you know, we, we talk about Christmas sometimes about the birth of Jesus Christ, but I love talking about the end of the story. I, I, it's, too, it's, it's, it's hard not to get excited about the end when you start talking about the beginning. And so as we come to Christmas, Jesus Christ was born, yes, but he didn't stay a baby. He lived his life on earth, sinless, perfect, so that we could have life through him, that when he rose from the dead, we could then have that everlasting life in him. So I have a question as we get ready to close here. Who have you shared Christ with this week, this month, this year? We have this hope, this everlasting hope. People are looking for something. They are. I said it before, there's not much to look at this year to hope in the world. There's not. All, if, you, if you look at the world from the world's point of view, all you see is death, 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 taxes, death. That's all there is. But in Jesus Christ, there's life. 
There's eternal life. There's hope. There's joy. Let's show some of that joy this year. Make a commitment this year to share the truth of Jesus Christ with anyone you can. There's opportunities. And you may think, you know, I'm, you know, you may say I'm retired or I don't get out much. I, I can't. We all have neighbors. We all have things we have to do, whether, you know, whether it's going to the grocery store, whether it's, you know, getting gas at the gas station. You can be thankful one time in your life that we have people that pump our gas for us because you have someone else you can give a gospel tract to without leaving your car. You just pull it out and say, here you go, get a second, read this. This has good news of hope for you. Because that is the truth. It is hope. It is, it is the blessed hope in Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, have, have you been demonstrating that love? Do you have the, first of all, do you have the love of Jesus Christ in your heart? If you haven't been saved, you know, I know it's a Sunday night crowd, you may say it's a Sunday night crowd. Well, I'd be foolish to assume that everybody in here is saved. Those watching live stream, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you don't, then you don't have the hope that's in this book. And if you have, what are you doing about it? Church, what are we doing about it? What am I doing about it? It's something that I've had to, I've had to work on. I'm, I don't do it as much as I think I should. You know, because we can all check, we were talking about checking off those boxes. We can all check off the box. I went soul winning this week. And you gave your 45 minutes. You know, we can't really knock on doors, but I passed out 10 tracks this week. Check off the box. But shouldn't it be, when Jesus Christ said, go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature, I think he was talking about more than checking off our soul winning box. It's, it should just be a part of us. It should be something we do. We pass someone in the street, you know, we're, um, you're, you're stuck, you know, if you're, in, if you're in New York City, you'll understand what this is. You're stuck in a subway with somebody for 10 or 15 minutes. Hey, here's something for you. People are a little hesitant. They may not take it. But you've you got to give them a chance. Everyone deserves a chance to hear the name of Jesus Christ preached to them. You know, you think, okay, you're, st- you're stuck in a long cashier's line because everyone's got to stand six feet apart and they only have two or three registers open because they've got to sanitize them. Before you complain about standing in that long line, Turn to the person in front of you and said, here, I have some good news. Would you take a minute and read that when you get a second? There's opportunities around us if we were just to look for them. So what are we doing with the hope we have in Jesus Christ? This Christmas, I, 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 I've been saying it for probably a couple months now. I, I, I started playing Christmas music two months ago. I started getting into the season a while ago because there, there's not a lot to hope in this year if you look at the world, but there is Jesus Christ, and we can always hope in that. We don't have to play Christmas music to hope in Jesus. We can hope in Jesus 24-7, 365, every day, every minute of the year. Let's have hope in Jesus Christ this year. Let's pray, and then we'll have an invitation. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for the love that you have demonstrated for us, Lord. I pray that as we go through this year, that we go through this month, we would focus on sharing the love of Jesus Christ with others. Lord, if someone out there is not saved, if they do not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that I beg that they would contact someone they know that's saved. Contact the church here that they would accept you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you give us a good invitation. Lord, continue to work in our hearts and lives throughout this day, this year. Lord, and just help us to spread the joy of Jesus Christ. In his name we ask, amen.
Have thine own way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I 